Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic MBA Show. David Aldridge, I'm back. I'm back because Waz damn near Wally pipped me last week with the hosting. Him and Amin (laughs) killed it. So I had to get back on the mic before they take my show. What's up, Waz? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm happy to hear your voice, brother. Man, it's good to hear you too, man. I I want to talk, man. I know we're going we're going to bring Rich Hoffman in in a second from the Athletic Philadelphia to talk about that that the latest iteration of the train wreck that is the 76ers and everything that they're doing. Um, but at some point during this show, man, I'm so I, I must tell you, Waz. I'm so pissed off this morning. I don't even know what to do. Um, I don't know. Something broke in me watching that video. Um, this latest oh, video. Man. Something broke in me. I don't know. Um, not that I, I wasn't furious when, when George Floyd was killed. I wasn't furious when Brianna Taylor was killed, was killed. I don't know. There was just something about this. And I think you can hear it from the players. Uh, George, George Hill said it yesterday. Um, Fred Van Vliet reportedly, uh, we're taping on Tuesday, said it today after practice. The guys are, the guys are fed up, man. And this kneeling stuff is all well and good. And the Black Lives Matter on the floor is all well and good. But this shit's not changing, man. It's not changing. And it's, and it's getting to the point where you have to do something to shake people up, to get them out of their kind of torpor, you know, a slogan is not policy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so something's got to change on the real tip that it, it has to change now because you just, we can't keep having this. We can't keep yeah, having this, these excuses. Oh, he had a knife. Oh, he was wrestling with the cops. So they had every right to shoot him seven times in the back. That's bullshit. And I'm tired of it. And we need to do something now to change this, this paradigm that we have in this country that a quote-unquote officer-involved shooting is always justified. Yeah, there needs to be consequences. That's, uh, you know, that's that's the problem here. It's like, like you said, it's great to paint slogans on the street and to kneel and to hold hands and do the kumbaya thing, and and that's great. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to poo-poo symbolic gestures. Uh, You know, it's important that we do, you know, we do those as well, but... This is hundreds of years of culture that we're talking about. Um, the reason why these guys felt empowered to do what they do, do what they did to this man, that's part of their job, you know, mm-hmm. and they know that they're not going to be punished for it. Right. Like if they thought that there was any chance that they could be prosecuted or their livelihood could be taken from them for behaving in the manner that they did, they, of course they would have thought twice about it. But the problem is, is like, we're talking about literally actually hundreds of years of culture, of a mentality of treating slave patrols. This is what, this is where the police came from. (laughs) 100%. Of treating um, certain classes of people, you know, just how they feel like it. Um, and, and and that needs to change, man. And, and to my mind, the only thing that would change that is real consequences. Not none of this, you know, IA, you know, um, investigates it. Or even when you think about the district attorneys 
or the um, assistant district attorneys who rely on cops for evidence and all of this other stuff in their other cases, they then are supposed to come in and punish these guys like that. It doesn't make sense that that would ever be the case. So to me, if there's no actual repercussions to these sorts of actions and nothing's going to change. Yeah. And I, and I'm not sitting here saying I have all the answers. I certainly don't. And no, neither do and neither do NBA players. And LeBron said that last night after the game, he's like, I don't have all the answers, but you know, I'm you're, you're a sentient human being. You understand when, once you see with your eyes is wrong and it needs to stop and it needs to change. It has to change. And to the extent that NBA players have any influence, you know, and I don't know what they should do. I know they they were talking about potentially boycotting a game. I mean, I would look, I'd love to see them do it just so that they could show people how powerful they actually are. They're not going to do it. We know they're not going to do it. Um, you know, there was talk. This was goes back to the Sterling thing in 2015. Um, when the, when players, and this was during the playoffs when they talked about potentially boycotting a night of playoff games if the league hadn't suspended him, if the league hadn't removed him as owner. Um, and I never really, I mean, I reported it because that's what people had told me that night, but I, it was, it was still kind of like, I still didn't really believe that they would do it. I still don't really believe the players will do it now. Um, maybe they will. Maybe they'll show, prove me wrong. See, that's the sort of thing that would, that would slap people in the face figuratively and say, no, this is not, this is not acceptable. Um, you've got to do something yeah. more. And I, I must tell you, was I would have no problem with the players doing it. None. Zero. Um, no, of course not. Of course you know, not. But as always, I'm of two minds with this thing. Like, I love whenever the players are able to exercise their collective power um, in order to, you know, do a good, right. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, to achieve some great ends for society. But at the same time, I'm like, God damn, man, these guys are freaking hoopers. They're entertainers. Right, right, right. Exactly. They're not no, lawmakers. Yes. That's what I'm, you know, that's they're what not I understand. our yes. elected officials. Yes. The yes. people we put in power to protect us from this stuff. Like, I, I want to see the players do great stuff with, with the platform and, and, and sort of the power that they've earned through being excellent in their profession. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, yo, it's kind of, like to put that job at, to lay that job at the feet of NBA players. It's a, it's just, it's very upsetting. Yeah, no, no, I hear you was. And I'm, I, I, I go back and forth on it. I know it, it, it may sound contradictory because it probably is a little contradictory in my mind. I agree with you. I don't think that we should require or ask players, basketball players to take a lead on this. Right. I mean, it, but they have the microphone, the figurative microphone. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, could, could they do something? That is a, that is above slogans. And I think that's what the frustration that you hear from some of the players is like, well, okay, we agreed to do all this and the, you know, give the NBA credit. The NBA has gone all in on it. You know, they've, they've, they've backed them all the way. They have not in any way tried to suppress their, their, you know, their, their speech on it. You know, the slogans on the back of the jersey are a little corny. I think we all agree with that. But, but, you know, they, they've gone as far as a multi-billion dollar business is going to do, is going to go on stuff, stuff like that. Right. So I get it. Um, it's just, it's just that I'm so frustrated. I'm just so frustrated by what goes on. Um, and what continues to go on. And it's just, and you be, and, and you become numb to it because it happens so frequently. 
you know, and it just, and it, it's like, somebody's got to shake this up and get people's attention. And, and, you know, you can already start to feel, you can already start to see it in the polling where, where the opinions are starting to go back. Like there's, there's a little less support for black lives matter than there was a month ago. You know, when everybody could, when it was on TV every day and there were protests every day um, and you can start to see the kind of ebbing and cresting of those, those feelings. And so I've just seen this movie so many times, like I said before, after Rodney King video, I was, I was convinced, well, that's it. You, there's nothing else. You, it's on they tape. On camera this it's time. on tape. <laughs> <laughs> you can't refute it. It's on tape. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to the comma is on the athletic podcast. Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs. It's like the most in his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he yes. had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. What's poppin' in there? Lambert. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship money so we can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Who's the Jason? Welcome to Hoop. Five, four, we have ignition. I don't want to keep Rich because this is, you know, it's not, uh, Rich was, was kind enough to join us today to talk about uh, the Philadelphia 76ers latest, you know, Hindenburg-like <laughs> explosion um, in, in the playoffs. So, Rich, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for listening through my rant there. I appreciate it. No problem, guys. It was, no, it's, it's important to start with that. I mean, I, I like that after the game, like Chris Paul, after an awesome game that he played a very intense basketball game he he just put it right back on that uh you know on that subject and that's important for sure hey we going we might have to call the cops on the Boston Celtics for what they did to the Sixers and that was brutal <laughs> filthy does anybody ask Jason Tatum you take this personally don't you <laughs> like every time you play the Sixers you trying to whip that ass, aren't you? <laughs> like he comes out, he just plays like that. You can just tell. It seems to me, Rich, he plays like that every time he plays the Sixers. Like this is personal. This is not just you know another game on the schedule. Like uh, you guys, you guys are going to take this for another eight to ten years <laughs> of, of me at my peak. Yeah, at the, at the least. I remember a couple of years ago in that uh, in that 2018 playoff series where you know I was sitting in Boston. I actually. Was I had some bad media seats, so I snuck down to a table I maybe shouldn't have been at. And uh, these fans, there were a couple of Sixers executives who were not um, who were not basketball ops people, but Tatum is just destroying them. And these fans are, I guess, for some reason, they knew that they were Sixers people, just saying like, "Where's Markel?" And, and Markel was he was on the bench as Jason Tatum was yeah. smoking them. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, Tatum takes a little bit of a step back last year, but right in time for to play the Sixers again. And he's terrifying. Man, you know, he's so I, good. I, I actually forgot about yeah, that. It's insane how good he is. You know, and I, and I and I and I don't hear much from Celtics fans now. You know, I you know I I kept saying oh, I don't hear from Lakers fans. I should say because I kept saying I kept saying and writing this last year that the Boston the potential Boston package that they could offer the Pelicans for Anthony Davis is just so much better than anything the Lakers could come up with. Anything, 
picks, players, anything. And, you know, the Lakers, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, Ingram's way better than Tatum. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Lonzo Ball's way better than Jalen Brown. Really? <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> you know, it's insane that, that people actually would have that opinion or actually pretend that they have that opinion because they don't have that opinion because it's nuts to have that opinion. Um, but Rich, tell me, I mean, what, what was it like trying to find, you know, some explanation from players and coaches during that series, during that beatdown of what was going on? You didn't get many good answers, I would say. Um, the, the main thing I would say, like the first thing is that Ben Simmons being out, we probably underrated that a little bit. You know, he's he's got his flaws. He obviously has mm-hmm. not gotten anywhere close on the whole shooting thing. And that's that's frustrating. But the amount of things he does for the Sixers in terms of like he played really good defense on Jason Tatum during the season. He had this breakout year, locked up Jason Tatum a couple of times. Um, so that's one thing. They also don't have anybody who can really make plays uh, on the perimeter. They're guard play is, I, you know, I, I haven't looked at some of the lottery teams, what their guard play is like. I can't imagine it's much uh, worse than what the Sixers have right now. It's just, they can't even get the ball inside to Joel Embiid. Um, an entry an entry pass becomes a science project for this team. Yeah, and I think <laughs> Waz, like it's, you know, it, would you guys agree that when you hear like the entry pass is a lost art, it, it's a little bit different than when you know, Magic was dumping the ball into Kareem, you know, like the, sure. the, the defense yeah. is a little bit different, but it's really unbelievably hard for this Sixers team <laughs> to the point where, you know, I'm just watching that series and and the explanation is, well, the Celtics just run a pick and roll for Jason Tatum or, or Kemba Walker and it's a d- disaster for the Sixers. And it's like pulling teeth, getting the ball in Embiid. It's so much harder. It's like a five-step process. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, and, it's you know, I watch that and just think like structurally – the team that the Sixers put together, it doesn't work in the NBA, unfortunately. <laughs> like you, you need guys who can dribble and it's, shoot at the same time. It's crazy, I know. It's so funny you mentioned entry passes. I remember talking to Sam Cassell uh, many years ago about that very thing. And he said, I couldn't figure out how to get the ball to dream when he was in Houston. Couldn't figure it out. I was I, When I was young, my first year or two, didn't know how to do it. You know, defense is on me. I can't figure it out. And either, I don't know if it was Dream or one of the coaches said, just throw it at his nose. He'll catch it. <laughs> and problem solved. Right. Problem solved. Throw and, the ball at his nose. Throw the ball at Joel's nose. He'll catch it. I and, promise you. And and <laughs> I've been weirdly um, kind of obsessed with Alec Burks essentially his whole career. Um, just as like, I always love the slashing guys, guys who fearlessly go to the paint. And he's been that for his whole career. And he's a decent ball handler, but my goodness, man, asking him to just shoulder the burden of running your offense is, that's nuts. And and again, Josh Richardson miscast in that role. He can Definitely. do it on, you know, spot duty. He can initiate offense from pick and roll, but that's not what you would ideally be asking that guy to do. It's just weird that they just refuse to ever put a point guard on this team. Um, and I'm not, to, and you know, no disrespect to TJ McConnell, but like, I mean, come on, man. Like they, they, they never put a point guard on the team rarely. And, you know, as much as we talk about Ben Simmons' shooting and, you know, the fact that MB does most of his dirty work near the rim. So they're sort of miscast. Um, how about putting other shooters around them? 
<laughs> you know, like, okay, cool. He doesn't shoot, but why don't you surround him with shooters so there's some sort of space to operate? They they form this team so weirdly and disjointedly. And I can remember, because I was somebody last summer that was excited about the Horford stuff, exciting, excited about getting Josh Richardson in the sign and trade because, you know, the theory of this team was that they were going to club people over the head defensively, that they were just going to destroy people on defense. That just never materialized. Why do you think that is, Rich? Uh, it's tough, Wise. I mean, I, I think some of it is just a, a miscalculation in what size can do on the defensive end. Yeah. It, it helps. Don't get me wrong. But if, uh, you know, Joel Embiid is the best around the paint and, you know, against the Celtics, that requires a big man to get up <laughs> and take away those threes that they shoot. That's part Not of it. his thing. I think so. <laughs> I think some of it is they didn't play hard at all times, you know, during the season. Um, they didn't execute, you know, on the road. They were worse than the uh, the old New York Knicks on the road. So they just They're horrendous. Yeah, horrendous. So so there's a lot of factors there. Um, I you know it's funny you mentioned that that they don't have any guards. The Fultz draft pick, if he works out, that is exactly the type of player you want yep. around Simmons and Embiid. And for some reason, after that missed, and you know, we, we can get into that. That's a six hour podcast if uh if there ever was one. <laughs> but you know, if if he pans out and is roughly the player we saw at Washington, that that's the perfect fit around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And then for some reason they went so far away from that. You know, they had Jimmy for a half season and while he probably doesn't feel like the shooting as much. He's so talented that actually he was a pretty good fit. And then this season they go with Horford and Harris and Richardson. And yeah, I just think they're the shooting around those guys. It was pretty funny today. Elton Brand said, you know, we need more basketball people in there. Like I, I would hope your analytics people w- would be able to point out that those guys aren't the greatest shooters and you need shooting around Ben Simmons and, and Embiid. But, uh, yeah, the defense was always a disappointment. They brought in Ime Udoka from San Antonio this year. He is a candidate for their job, but they just they never got it completely together. And I think some of it was Embiid not playing hard, but there's there's more to it. They needed to be better on that end. They have great talent. Hey, we've all counted on restaurants over the years. Now, restaurants are counting on us. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right now, right to your door. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code DING, D-I-N-G, that's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code DING, don't forget that's code DING for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I want to talk to you about the coaching thing. You, I saw your story today and you mentioned the candidates, you know, four of the candidates that you think are, are going to get, you know, a good look, including Ime and, and Ty Lue, who are obvious, you know, calls and, and obviously should be considered. 
And you had Jaeger in there, which surprised me a little bit. I know Dave. I like Dave. I just don't know why he would be a serious candidate for a team that needs to make a significant improvement and move um, in the East next year, considering how he flamed out in Memphis and in Sacramento. That just did not, that was the one of the names that I just went, huh? Yeah, I think his, you know, he's a respected tactician around the NBA and that, and that might be part of it. He's dealt with Memphis where they were super big, the grit and grind team. I think that could appeal with Embiid. Yeah. And then they played super fast in Sacramento. So, I, you know, that's, that could help with Simmons. I, I would put him lower on the list than the other guys, frankly. Yeah. What I, I'm curious what you guys think because man, I, I am. Pretty happy in Philadelphia, really. It's just after every loss and every win, it's a referendum on Brett Brown's coaching. So I think, you know, after Mm -hmm. four years of that, almost maybe seven years of that, people were still doing that when they were like literally built to get their ass kicked every time they played. Um, I'm curious what you guys think they need. Like, is it, is it just an experienced hand like Ty Lu or or Udoka? Is it, you know, a tactician? What, What do you guys think they need as far as a, uh, a coach? They need an Embiid whisperer to me. Yep. I mean, you know, that's what, I mean, this is what I've been saying to people the last couple of weeks as we all watch this thing kind of play out in real time. You know, I don't, you know, it it sounded from what Elton said that they don't want to, they're not going to trade, or at least they're not, don't have any plans to trade either Embiid or Simmons, which I, which I would not do either. Although I'd be tempted to, to look into what I could get for Simmons. But it just seems to me like, I just don't think after everything that they went through, to say that Joel Embiid is the result, is, is, is the reward, let's put it that way, for four years of process or three years of process, however you want to score it, to then move on from him would, would really, I think would be very difficult to do. You tell me if I'm wrong, Rich. Of, of those two guys, I think it would be much easier for them to trade at, to trade Simmons than Embiid. Yeah, I would say, because, I would say for two reasons. One, he probably has yeah. more trade value because I think there's, right. I, I don't, know what other front offices think, but, you know, Embiid's health is always a question. He's been fairly healthy. You know, he's always dinged up during the season. There's always something weird going on, but he hasn't missed any super long amount of time in the last few years. Uh, And that's one reason. And I think the other reason, yeah, is that Embiid is, he's the more popular guy in Philadelphia. He's the guy that, no question. you know, the the crowd is kind of eating out of his palm when he's when he's got it going and, and he's the, the charismatic player. And he's, he's also the one who was there longest during the process too, right? He was the guy who, yeah. you know, we missed uh, for a couple of years with the, with the foot injury. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, go ahead. Was. No, I was going to say, just going to say to me, it seems like, like I think DA hit it right on the head when he said an Embiid whisperer. That's why I like the idea of a Ty Lu somebody who's dealt with the egos of Kyrie and LeBron yeah. and he dealt with that stuff pretty masterfully. They, they won the damn championship in 2016. So I actually, cause, and I also just think the culture around the team where they were coddling these kids essentially from day one, just kissing their asses. Like you guys are the saviors. You <laughs> saved us from despair, you know, denigrating <laughs> the likes of a, 
you know, a Drew Holiday and Igudala and all of it. Not to say that they were doing great things before Hinky came up, came in there and shook things up. But it just seems to me that from the beginning, they coddled these kids. And I think that's why Jimmy Butler wanted to get as far away from that situation as possible after last season. He's like, no, I'm going to go to Miami where they got a culture and a seriousness mm-hmm about what they do that I can actually relate to. Uh, I, I I don't think you can understate that fact that Jimmy Butler was like, I'm getting out of Dodge here because he just didn't like the way they operated. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see, I don't, I don't believe in the concept of a quote unquote disciplinary coach in the freaking pros. Like that's, that's a ridiculous notion to me, but I do think you need somebody who's going to speak truth to power. And we know mm-hmm. within NBA organizations, the power lies within the players that somebody's got to challenge these cats. And because, again, the proof is in the pudding. What have, what have these guys accomplished? Nothing. So the idea that they, you know, that you would treat them with these delicate gloves because they're so precious and they saved the franchise. Like, <laughs> get out of here with that. I think they need to change that up ASAP. This is the season where all of the positive vibes has gone away. Like they, they officially have yeah. to look themselves in the mirror and think, you know, what, what are we doing here? We need to get better. And I think when it comes to Simmons and Embiid, they, they have gotten better in some ways. Ben, ben Simmons was a terrible defensive player in college and he's awesome right. now. You know, I think right. Brett deserves mm-hmm. credit for getting him to do that. But the most obvious path to getting better, he just hasn't done. And Brett publicly tried to make him shoot. He said, uh, you know, I want one three per game. And Ben Simmons was like, I'll take one three per year, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> and then, you know, Embiid has is, is never been fully in, in the best tip top shape that he needs to be. I'm a little worried that that's more a kind of anatomy problem with him. Like, I'm not sure his his style of play and getting into the best shape is always like the easiest thing to do. But he certainly has not accomplished it to this point. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. It's, that, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by an MB whisper. And I think I do think T. Lou could do it, but I also think there's a there there are several guys that could do it. You know, I think you know I think uh, Sam Cassell could do it. I think David Vanterpool could do it. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys around the league who understand who would understand that. And it's not even fixing Joel Embiid. You don't have to fix him. He's he's a very good player. You, you know, but you have to get the most out of him. And to your point. Rich, I think it's it's just going to be a lot easier to build a team around Joel Embiid. Just put four shooters on the floor with him. This isn't hard. This isn't hard, <laughs> you know. And 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 let him dominate in the middle as he can do, and see what happens, you know. And and find the best four shooters you can put around with him, which is why I have advocated, you know, a Simmons for Bradley Beal trade, you know. But I could be wrong. I think it would help both teams immensely. Um, but just put as many group, you know, elite shooters around them as you can possibly put and, and see what happens. I mean, I don't know why one in four out couldn't work for them. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. And I think honestly, when you look at building around Simmons and Embiid, everybody makes it to be tricky. And to be fair, it, it is. They're not LeBron James where you can just plug any four players and you'll be pretty damn good. I would say for the most part. But, you know, shooters around Simmons is how he, how it works, too. His best skill is getting into the lane and finding people for, for open threes. Like, that's not, right, right, you know, that's right. not something that wouldn't work with him. And, and you know, especially if you're going to keep those two guys, which I agree, I would, you know, let, let's bring a new coach in here, try and shuffle the players up and, and see what happens. Because these guys, as uh, as disappointing as they were this season, they're very talented and we don't usually get 
players like that here in Philadelphia um, all that much. I uh, I guess my my problem with this whole season is that you know Brett should, he, they should have moved on from him. I think it's it's time that they need somebody who can try and shake things up. The, the front office I think is the bigger problem I see with this team right now. And listening to Elton Brand today, it it seems like. You know, he, he said, I asked him directly, you know, did you have full autonomy for the last two seasons? And he basically admitted, nah, I kind of grew into it. And I'm thinking, so so basically our explanation for this last two seasons, probably the most important seasons you had from a transaction standpoint, when you had these assets and these draft picks and all of these things, the GM who's been here for two years is telling us, yeah, I really haven't been the GM for two years, maybe a few months. And it's, uh, to me, that is their biggest problem. They've had kind of too many cooks in the kitchen, I would say, just a weird behind the scenes dynamic. And that has to get fixed, I think, almost before the coach. Okay, so who is um at the wheel then? If it's not Elton Brand, if he's if he's basically coming in front of the media and, and exempting himself, essentially that's all he's doing, right? Like if this thing was was rolling, he'd be taking all the credit. Sure. Um, that it's basically mm-hmm. become a disaster. Obviously, he's self interested in distancing distancing himself from failure, and I think firing the coach is part of that and all of that. So who is driving this thing? It's it's a great question. It's it's kind of hard to parse sometimes. Like when you think like who has Josh Harris, the owner's ear. You know there have been minority owners who you hear have been pretty involved in decisions. You've heard some non basketball ops people have been involved in decisions, and they, you know, they've said this for the last two years. Like we're this great collaborative front office, like other front offices don't have a bunch of people who get to talk and and listen, (laughs) but what they don't have is a real structure. And, you know, the idea of Elton brand now gets to form that real structure where the, the buck stops with him and all those things. That answer to me is just not good enough at this point. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I I don't know what they do because, you know, to me, it almost feels like, all of their their chances to improve this roster, their better chances, they're they're past them now. They have bad contracts on their books. Well, that's why that's why to me it seems like Simmons, to your point, is the one guy that you could get the most for. Yeah. Right. And so nobody's taking Tobias Harris's contract. Nobody's taking Al Horford's contract. Those are those are sunk costs now. You know. Um, so I'm, I, you know what, I shouldn't say that. You're going to have to take bad contracts back. To, to move those guys. And what would the point of that be? You know what I mean? Like, unless, unless you were to, unless you were able to get an elite, you know, historically elite shooter, like, you know, a Danny Green type of, of two guard to come in, you know, why would you take on bad contracts? I mean, if you could get Buddy healed for one of those guys, great. I don't think you're going to get him. You know what I that mean? That would be so, sweet, but yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So those, you can't do anything about those now. The one guy, that you could get a lot for is Ben Simmons. He's the guy that, that a lot of teams will be happy to build a franchise to your point around him and surround him with four shooters and let him be, do what he does and not have to, you know, have to add that three to his game or, or consistently at least shoot the three to create spacing. So that's why I thought to me, that's the guy that I would move. Um, but I am I, to Wise's point. I, I remain fascinated by this idea that that 
Elton Brand was the GM, but he didn't really have the juice, you know, yeah. to make a make a decision. I mean, that just seems kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Convenient today. <laughs> you know, that seems awfully convenient the day after you get waxed by Boston in the first round. You know, I didn't really have the power. Now I do. You know, where's I mean, did Josh did Josh Harris issue some press release saying that, yeah, now Elton Brand has all the juice. Did that because I didn't see it. Maybe, maybe, he told, maybe he just released it to the Philly guys. I don't know. He, he did not. And, you know, unlike <laughs> maybe after some of their better, better moments, he, he was not available, um, today. So, you know, I, I Stunning. think that's kind of weak, but you know, it's not, uh, it's not totally surprising for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think there is an acknowledgement, like Elton Brand said, collaboration doesn't work. And yeah, I agree with you. That's not a good enough response. Frankly, when they hired Elton Brand, you know, great story. I, I think Elton Brand is a smart guy. When, when he played, I had the sense that he had a chance to do something in basketball ops moving forward. Like he just struck me as as one of those guys. He had one year of experience running the G League team. It, it's yeah. It, as much as it was such a weird situation, there, there's no way to prepare for our GM's wife had burner Twitter accounts where they were bashing our best player. They're like, there's no playbook for that. I get that. But they they came up with a guy who really had no experience. And yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and this team. It's still hard team- for me to believe that. I've known Barbara for 30 years, Rich. 30 years. And it's just still, I still can't believe it. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just still hard for me to believe. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Those collars are normal. Find a new slant. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this team, this <laughs> every time you re you, you rehash this thing, that whole episode in your head, it, it becomes even funnier over time. Um. But this team will always be linked to the project that Sam Hinkie undertook back in 2013. Our colleague John Hollinger wrote a dope piece about it about the process essentially being over. And he posits that the process was a success in the sense that they could make all these blunders, like, like <laughs> completely missing on the Fultz thing is, is just a blunder. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, signing Tobias Harris to $200 million so that he can drop 16 a game in the playoffs is a blunder, right? Um, all of these things you could say like, this is, these are like, these are franchise altering moves and what John is saying is essentially that the process worked because they could have these bombs detonate and still field a pretty damn good team. Um, what do you think the fans would say to them? Like, was was it was it all worth it? Was the 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 most unwatchable basketball team probably in history for four years? <laughs> was it all worth it to flame out against Boston in the first round of this year's play? Essentially, they're as good as the Pacers are right now. Oh yeah. Um was was it worth it to be that? <sighs> it's tough. The it's really hard to have a nuanced conversation about the the process because people they have dug in on each side of this. There are people who love it and there are people who hate it and this is, you know, their arguments. I I would just say it's it's tough because Sam Hinkey part of it is he didn't get the finish what he started and you know part of that is kind of his fault. The the third year, they were just so unbelievably bad. They were, I think, yep. 10 and 72. And not only that, yeah. Julia Okafor 
I mean, he had like the triple whammy. He, he had a gun pulled on him outside of a, a club in Philly. He got in that street fight in Boston and he was driving like Vin Diesel in the Fast and the Furious over the Ben Franklin Bridge, like all, all three of those things. I mean, it was just insane. It was just like a new headline every day. And it was, it's funny, Elton Brand, you know, not that long ago was brought in out of retirement essentially to be, you know, the dookie, the, the mentor who could help Jaleel get through his first season. It's, it's tough. I, I like, I think you can argue that. Hey, they got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And and Hinky, as good of a position as I think they put him in, I mean, let's not pretend he didn't miss on some players. Like he took MCW and, and Nerlens, <laughs> who, you know, it, mm-hmm. good for him. He he flipped MCW after after the rookie season, kind of fleece Milwaukee at that point. But, you know, Gian- Giannis was there. Uh, you know, if you take Porzingis over Okafor, that, that right. seems like things would have worked out. I'm not sure if you get, you get Simmons, if they're that quite that bad, but they made, well, to your point, they have made so many unbelievable mistakes in recent years. So the fact that they're almost as good as the Pacers is kind of unbelievable because I I just look at this front office since Colangelo was here, they've made four decisions that that really matter. Like you can say, all right, pick a Matisse Dybul and Landry Shamit at the end of the first round. Pretty good. Not bad, but the ones that actually matter. Fultz trade disaster. Um, Jimmy Butler, that's the best move they made, but they weren't able to keep him. So, you know, you end up with Josh Richardson from Sarich and, and Covington. That's like essentially the same thing, right? That's not too different. Mm-hmm. Tobias, not only did they give him 200 million to score 16 points, they traded a ton of stuff to get him. They could have, they could have paid him that mm-hmm. in the offseason anyway, and, and it would have been fine. And they'd still have Landry Shaman on the team who can shoot. They'd have a couple of extra first round picks. Gave those away. And then the Horford thing was a disaster. So, you know, I I think a lot of people are going to be looking at these front office changes that Brand have said, has said. And I I don't know, like I'm from Philly. So there was a time a few years ago on the football team where Chip Kelly got the, the controls for one season here in Philly. He got to be the GM and everything. And he was a disaster, like just ran it into the ground. And they changed course really quickly and gave it back to the old GM. I don't know, you know, if Elton Brand is completely at fault, but if Josh Harris does not feel like something is deeply wrong in how they've built this team and their their process, for lack of a better word, over the past few years, he's, you know, the Sixers have deeper problems than what Brett Brown did. Yeah, I, I, I you know, the, the Harris thing fascinates me because when the, when when I wrote a year and a half ago that he was walking away from the Clippers offer, just walking away from it. It was a good offer. It wasn't a max offer. It was a good offer. And the Clippers went nuts and said, yeah, we didn't, we never offered him, you know, he's blah, blah, blah. And obviously he had a max deal in his pocket. I assume it was from Philly. So to your point, why not just wait? You would have gotten him anyway. <laughs> you know, like you didn't have to put all those assets into a deal, into a trade. If, if he's walking away Sick with six months to go on his contract and is clearly walking to a max deal somewhere, presumably to you. Why do you have to give up anything? Why don't you just wait? It, it, it's infuriating too. I mean, you know, with the Clippers getting Kawhi Leonard, just what a, what a great trade by them. He is, <laughs> he is one of the more frustrating players I've watched because a, like the man, one of the, one of the coolest guys going, I think some of the social mm-hmm. justice stuff he's done, like taking the lead with those things, a, a legitimate leader, I would say. 
But when I watch him play, and, and he's such a skilled basketball player for a guy at 6'9", 6'10", mm-hmm. whatever he is, um, so skilled, and he just doesn't apply it the right way. Like, I don't think he could get to the free throw line against me. It's it's unbelievable that he he just ends up, you know, like 16 points on 16 shots, no assists, you know, uh, mm-hmm. at below average defense. And it's, I just want to like shake him and say like, come on, man, like figure out how to get this. You're too skilled to be having this little of an impact on winning the game and it's just not happening. I, and that's, I'm not even like killing him. I'm just like, but you had him. That's all I'm saying <laughs> is that like he was walking to you. <laughs> Like you didn't have to like build a bridge. He was coming your way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, that's what I don't get. Well, live sports are back and our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure that your vital parts are as safe as possible when matchups happen that we all want to see. Waz, we've talked about this many times and you are a very, very happy customer with Manscaped. All right. Yeah. Manscaped is probably my favorite sponsored product of ours between the ease of use, the convenience, the fact that the 3.0 lawnmower, you can use it in the shower. It's water resistant. So that makes the cleanup effort effortless um, effectively. Uh, it, It gives you a beautiful trim. Very easy to use. You don't have to have ever have used this product before. It's very self-explanatory. Not going to nick yourself, cut yourself, because you don't want any nicks and cuts in that area. And you're just going to look great. Um, If you've never done this before, you never thought about it, you never like, oh, I need to be groomed or whatever. Trust me, your significant other is going to com- uh, completely appreciate the results of the Manscaped, the Lawnmower 3.0. Um, it's, it's the best thing you can do for that. And uh, yeah, you should definitely be checking that out. Well, like Waz said, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. You also have the Shears 2.0. It's a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, including slashed tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20, the number 20, at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. And we'll be right back after this. So what happens now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they'll hire a new coach. That's one thing for sure. And that's one of the only things that they can do because of the contract situation, right? It's like, all right, the coach is something that we can change. We could maybe upgrade this. And, you know, everybody's sort of mileage may vary on Brett Brown and his abilities, but I don't think anybody would ever say it would be impossible for them to upgrade that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the things that they can do. But like, as far as the roster, what are the what are the flexibility options if if there are at all? Especially when you consider that, you know, Joel and, and Ben are, are quote unquote untouchable. It's tough because you know you, you think for like a while there's always been speculation with you know, are those two going to be able to play together? Do they fit on the court? Do they like each other? You know those type of things. I think they like each other at this point, and that relationship has gotten better. But now you're looking at it like we might have to make a trade because we can't trade anybody else to, to upgrade the roster. Um, you know, they have, 
they did some okay stuff at the back end of the roster. Like I like Shake Milton. I think he's going to be a rotation player at some point. I think Thibel has a chance. He's obviously a really weird player. He's this awesome defender who, you know, you're playing, you know, four on five on offense. Four on five might not even, he might be taking off another player on offense that when, uh, with teams not guarding him. Uh, I don't know like what they do. You know, I think Josh Richardson at $10 million is, that's probably fair value, right? Can you, can you attach him to Horford and, and maybe, you know, they have first round picks, Probably not great ones, though. If if they're keeping Embiid and Simmons together, they're going to be a playoff team at that point. So it's that's the tricky thing with with Elton Brand saying like we're going to rework the roster, we're going to find shooting, all of these things because it just feels like the the off season to do that was last year. And uh, I, I've always said that you know changing Brett Brown is is all good and well, and Ty Lue intrigues me. Somebody who's been in the uh, in the foxhole with LeBron in, in a serious, you know, June ga- basketball game for a long time, like th- that matters. But I, you know, the, the idea of we're just going to upgrade from J- or, uh, Jason Kidd to Mike Budenholzer, that's not good enough. You need to change the roster around these guys. And frankly, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Do, do you think, is there a, is there a, a maximum scenario where you can, have both Ben and, and Joel on the team as your two primary guys? That's another question, right? I, I just think we're starting to learn too that Embiid is this amazing post-up player. Do you guys think a post-up player can be the best player on a championship team right now with how the league is? Uh, the answer, I mean, short, the short answer is yes, of course. If he's that, if he's good enough, you know, it's not, it's not ideal. But it's not impossible. I think you have to commit, though. You have to commit all the way in. You have to go all in on this guy. He has to go all in on getting in shape and all those things. But if you're telling me that an Akeem Olajuwon, if he were on dropped into the NBA today, could not be the centerpiece of a championship team, of course he could. <laughs> of course he could. Even today, even the way they play today, of course he could, if he's good enough. My question is, or my issue is, I don't know if Joel's good enough. I don't. Well, my thing is last year in the playoffs, Philadelphia, you know, and people are going to talk about this until they're blue in the face, but, you know, they did take the eventual champion to seven games. And Toronto had a hard time scoring against them. You know, that's essentially the best you've ever seen a Joel Embiid defense. His plus minus was insane. Like, basically, they got dusted anytime he um, he 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 left the court and he minus 12 in three minutes in game seven in three minutes in game seven. And and we know how much they lost by it. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> That's just an incredible stat, right? Um and so, you know, I, I don't see I don't see why you you would think somebody was crazy for thinking I can field an elite team. I can put together an elite defensive unit. I can figure out how to score with a guy this skilled, this def- this gifted um on the defensive end. Now, what David asking when, you know, as far as Ben Simmons and his like if you're gonna say all right these are the two guys and we're gonna make it with those two guys that becomes a little bit more you know um clumsy for me right like you, you when you think of Simmons you think I think he should be playing with a big like Porzingis or you know somebody who can essentially stretch right. the floor and do a decent enough job that at paint could have been playing with Porzingis well <laughs> you know and, and so I, I 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm still married to the idea that Joel should absolutely be there. Joel's the most important player. Joel um is the is the guy that can dominate his matchup at a way higher frequency. Um as for positionally, I just feel like he's more valuable in that sense. Um but you know, again, I'm I'm somebody who's never really been a Ben Simmons fan, so yeah, I, I think well, they had, I mean, yeah. they had Horford, which was like, that was the Ben Simmons match, you know, when, whenever Embiid went out of the game, Horford, you know, he's not as good as Porzingis, but he could stretch the floor and, and he can run up and down a little bit and play a little, little fast pace. But yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think they really missed JJ Redick this year too. Like the little two man game used to run with Big Embiid. Time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. They were, you know, it was funny that Embiid was on JJ's podcast a few weeks ago. And it was kind of sad to me listening to them reminisce. Like he basically was like, "Oh man, it used to be so easy to score when when two guys would be jumping out at you, and I get all these easy looks, and and now you're not here anymore." Yeah, no, that's what. Yeah, exactly. And and again, why JJ Reddick's not on the roster to me? Like, if you're all in, you're all in. You know, the the luxury tax bill is forty million. And it would be forty-eight million if you resign Reddick. Okay, if, I mean, if you're all in, you're all in, right? So, I do, I never understand how you how you max out two guys and then say, yeah, but that's an, I'm not going to spend any more. You know, this should be enough. That doesn't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not smart enough to understand it. I guess. Well, the Sixers don't understand it either. So that that should make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're going to get roasted for weeks and, and months and, and until they start playing better basketball, and they 100% deserve it. People people should. Yeah. If yeah. people want to pile on, it might be cheap at times. I don't care. They, they deserve it. They sucked this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to watch them because you talk about a joyless team. Oh, my that God. That was a joyless basketball oh. team. Oh. You, no joy. You walked into the locker room after some of those road games? Oh my God! It was like a, a funeral in there. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to play not with not with fake rah rah joy, but with actual like you have to actually enjoy the people that you're around. You know, like you have to like them. You know what I mean? Like if you you can't you can't with the season's too long. You know, if you don't like the people that you play with, it you know it shows and the lack of kind of. Team chemistry was obvious this year and, and for a hundred different reasons. And you got to blame that on the kids though, right? Like who's fostering? Yes, yeah, who, that's part of it. Absolutely. What is the identity of this team and who's basically setting that culture and that identity on a day-to-day basis over there? Who's doing that? You you can't tell me it's Joel, you know, um, the guy who's constantly out of shape and his conditioning is always an issue and all of these things. Like you can't tell me it's going to be him. So who's setting that culture, that identity, right? Like certain places, whether it be Miami or San Antonio organizations that people would call model organizations, they're getting it from the top, right? It's, it's Riley, it's Spolstra, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a uh, pop, it's RC, like from the top, you're getting a culture set and then it filters on down. In Philadelphia, who is doing that? If it's not the kids, um, and it's not, obviously, <laughs> it's not on brand because he just told us that he never had any power to begin with. You know, who's doing <laughs> that for them and how do they even get in the process of making that happen? You know, I think these are questions that need to be answered if they're ever going to be a team that's taken seriously at all. It's, uh, it's funny. We talked to, uh, my, my colleague, Derek 
Bodner and I uh, on our podcast Sixers Beat, we were actually talking to JJ Redick during the pandemic because we had, you know, we had nobody to talk to and, and JJ was good enough to come on and, and speak to us. And we, we asked him about that. Like, does, does it have to be Ben and Joel who, who set the, the culture? And I, I think the answer to that is yes, but JJ pointed out, and I think rightfully so, the Stephs, the Tim Duncans, maybe even the Dames now, it, it's rare to have yep. a best player who, who basically takes on the, the complete culture setting idea right you know a lot of these like you said was like the spurs the heat that's that's an organizational thing like it's it's easier for jimmy to come in there and uh whatever you know i'm sure he put his stamp on what they've done but you know there's already something set in place and with the sixers you know especially because you know the faces are changing every six months it has to come from those guys and that's one of the uh one of the things you have to take away from this season those two they have to be better. I mean, the Sixers, this was a team of a lot of really nice people. Tobias Harris is a really good guy. Josh Richardson mm-hmm. is, you know, frankly, he he probably was the closest to setting that that culture. You know, he he's not good enough to do that and and for his voice to, to carry. But coming from Miami, he's, you know, he's mentioned yeah. the, the whole accountability thing a few times. He's, you know, he's not, you, you can tell the, the wheels were spinning in his head. He was, he had some thoughts on, on how things were going. But it's got to come from those guys because, uh, you know, the organization has not been put in place where where that work can be done for them. Has to come from them. And uh, I think, you know, if anything positive comes from this season, hopefully they realize that now. Because if they don't, they are screwed. <laughs> they're definitely uh, in a – I think they're in a it's, – it's not the worst place to be, but it's not a great place to be either, you know. Because Brooklyn is about to become like really hard, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, the, the East is not as good as the West, but one team that was not, not very difficult to beat if you're on your game is going to become very difficult to beat now going forward. Um, and some of the other teams that are coming up in the East as well. Um, man, Rich, thank you for this, man. This was great. I love the deep dives. Um, it is fascinating. It's not dull. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your time, man. And, and best of luck uh, in your in your all too soon off season as you try to figure out who's going to coach this team, man. All right, thanks, guys. Man, my my pleasure. Thank you, man. We, you know, I, it's funny, Waz. I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about um, Doncic and and kind of the un the unwritten kind of things that are going on with regard to him that nobody wants to talk about, you know, <laughs> but that's probably another show. That's another podcast. Um, uh, but there's some, it's, it's fascinating to watch how people reacted to him, to his shot on Sunday, you know, um, and what Shaq said. I just said, calm it down a notch. That's all I said. Why? 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 Look at that. I mean, look at that game. No, no, he's great, but I've seen that before. Yeah, but we just saw it today. I'm Chuck and Oscar. Huh? I took yeah, it down I, one notch. I, listen. I, I did, but I was before. there. His name is Steph Curry. Yeah. I've seen that before. His name is James Harden. I've seen it all last week. His name is Damon Lillard. Just calm it down a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hater, man. <laughs> and I think what Shaq was trying to say but wouldn't say on the air. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's never – I'll tell you what. I thought Sunday – was as good a day as the NBA could possibly expect to have in a bubble, you know, just in terms of the drama 
of some great games kind of going down to the last shot, two games, just two really well-played games um, going down to the wire and some great, great uh, endings to those games. Um, and it's, and it was fun to see. It was fun to watch those guys ball out like that. Um, and I think that, the, you know, it augurs well for the rest of the playoffs if we can get games anything close to that type of, of result and that type of, um, you know, intensity amongst four teams. It, it was really good. Really good. Yeah. I, I mean, when you talk about <laughs> what Luka Doncic is doing against the Clippers, you know, the guy's age, his already incredible skill level, understanding for the game, his sense of the moment. It's just amazing. Uh, You got to be excited about the future of the league. And of course, in the short term, just the playoffs. Like this is just the first round, theoretically the worst round of them all. And we've gotten excellent basketball already. So of course, I'm excited about it. I love the sort of breakneck pace of these games like it's straight up every night we've we've got plenty of games right um and so it seems like just yesterday when it started so i'm really excited to watch it going forward and it's obviously been a blast for junkies like you and i yeah and utah denver i don't want to give that like you know short shrift man that was great that was great um you know and i i just love that the league has this collection of young guys that really are emerging you know, whether it, whether it's, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell or, or Jamal Murray or, or Jason Tatum. I mean, you just see um, all these teams that are left seem to have at least one guy, obviously Giannis, um, that really um, can carry their squads, you know, that can that can be the be that guy for their teams. And it's great for the league. I mean, just going forward, I think it's going to be very good for the league to – to have this group that that is certainly capable of, of leadership and capable of, of taking the teams at least through a, a round or two of the playoffs. I mean, that's what you need. And you certainly need it in markets like like Salt Lake City, and, you know, and, and Utah and, or in Denver and uh, Milwaukee. I mean, it's important for the health of the league. Um, and, you know, and I think Oladipo was not Oladipo in Indy, obviously. Um, and he showed that he's, he's good enough to be in that category, too, when he's healthy, you know, so... It was just good to see, man. But um, glad to be back, man. Thank you again for last week. That was great. Um, great discussion that y'all had. Um, and um, for those of you listening, thank you for joining us as always. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Spotify, everywhere else where we uh, put the show on. And uh, we'll see you next week. Next week.